0: So money episode 487, Rachel Cruz, author of Love Your Life, Not Theirs. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome to So Money, everyone. Thanks for joining. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. It is no secret that social media has been taking over our lives in good ways and bad. For example, while social media can be a great way to share useful information, it can also be a huge time suck, right? And according to recent research, Americans we're checking our Facebook, Twitter, and other social media accounts at a whopping 17 times a day. That translates into at least once every waking hour, if not more. And one of the adverse effects of all of this, besides, of course, L- losing time, is that we can become envious of other people's lives. It's true. It's hard not to scroll Instagram, I'll be the first to admit, and you know, once in a while think, wow, that person's got a pretty amazing life, and I wish that was me. <laughs> I've definitely fallen into the trap of also buying a pair of shoes I first saw on Instagram and just following the link and buying it immediately. All this to say, social media can be costly. And our guest today wants to help. She is Rachel Cruz and was on the podcast once before episode 29 and is back to talk about her latest book, Love Your Life, Not Theirs, Seven Money Habits for Living the Life You Want. And in our conversation, we're going to discuss how we can focus on ourselves to filter the distraction on social media and ultimately learn to love what we have. More about Rachel. She's a personal finance expert, a number one New York Times bestselling author of the book Smart Money, Smart Kids, a book she co-wrote with her dad, Dave Ramsey. Here is Rachel Cruz. Rachel Cruz, welcome back to So Money. So much has changed. You're a mom, new book. Welcome back.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me back on. I I so enjoyed last time we were together. So this this is fun to do again. Your latest book talks about the influence of these
0: social media networks on our financial lives. The book is called Love Your Life, Not Theirs, Seven Money Habits for Living the Life You Want. Did you have a personal experience with this, where social media was just creating a negative impact on your perception of wealth or financial happiness? Or you saw others having issues
1: with it? Yeah, it was really all the above. You know, I was I was thinking back to to my my walk and my journey when it comes to finances. And I was thinking what kind of keeps getting a snag uh, in this seamless story that should be there. And it kept being social media, which sounds silly, but it was true. I mean, everything from if I got back from a vacation with my husband, uh, our second year of marriage, we're, we'll be married seven years in December. So this was a few years ago. But I remember coming back from that vacation and was on Instagram. And I all of a sudden found myself on American to book another vacation, you know, because I saw all these pictures of all these people, you know, with their feet in the sand and there, were, you know, the blue water behind them. And I was like, oh, my gosh, OK, I feel like we need to do a better vacation next time. And I thought, Rachel, how silly. Like you just got back from this. So it was things like that that just kind of kept bubbling up to the surface. And as I travel and talk to people, I find that and I find that a lot of people, what that leads to is discontentment. And out of discontentment comes, I believe, people spending money that they may or may not have to keep up a lifestyle that they think everyone else is living, but they're missing out on. Because every post on social media is everyone's best foot forward. It's like the highlight reel, right? And so if you sit there and be like, look at all the new cars and the vacation. And the redone kitchens, and like that's what you see all the time from people's lives. Of course, you're gonna feel discontent. Of course, you're gonna feel, you know, like, oh my gosh, we're just not good enough. And so you just have to take a step back and put it in perspective just to remember that what you see on social media, it's not the entire picture. It's people's front it- of
0: stage, as I've heard, not the back of yes. stage. So, what's the solution? You just turn off social media? How have you found a way to navigate social media in a way that's still healthy when it comes to your money?
1: Right, because social media still can be a tool that we use and we can connect with people all over the world. So I don't want to bash social media, but I do think it's the vehicle which takes us down the road of comparison. And so we just have to be aware that when we're on, what are we doing? What's our motivation? What are we thinking about? And just to make sure that, hey, you know, again, we remember the entire picture of the story that we don't know exactly what started beginning or what's even happening after that vacation with a credit card bill. Like we don't know. So you just have to kind of take it as it is. And I always say that gratitude beats it all. I mean, in a heart filled with gratitude, there is no room for discontentment in comparison. And so being grateful is huge. And I started something, it's so simple. uh, But in the mornings when my phone alarm would go off, I used to take my iPhone and sit there and scroll through Twitter and and Facebook and Instagram and check text messages and emails. And so now what I do is I click the notes icon on my iPhone and I have a gratitude list. And so every morning, I try to type down two things I'm grateful for. And that's the very first thing I do. And so for me, that's just a good perspective, a good exercise to start my day being like, Hey, here's what I'm grateful for. Because it's amazing when you are grateful, I believe it's easier to be content, which helps you quit the comparisons. You talk about this hashtag blessed, humble brag
0: in your <laughs> book. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, as I was just kind of like writing this book and thinking about, you know, the, the ways we use social media, uh, I came across a friend and she was like, you know, um, Uh, it was something like, in first class, enjoying this flight to California, hashtag blessed. And I was like, so I clicked on the hashtag blessed and I saw, you know, all I saw were vacation pictures and I got a guy with six pack abs and he was like, good workout today, (laughs) hashtag blessed. And I'm like, what? Are you blessed or are you bragging? Yeah, totally. So it's kind of this like, uh, it almost seemed like, not for everyone, but for most people I was looking at, I was like, gosh, it seems like this nice way to be like, look how great my life is. And I'm just so blessed. It's like a humble brag kind of thing. And so, yeah, in that chapter, I talk about just like focus on the true blessings of life. I mean, the things that like not everyone has to see, not everyone has to know, but the things that truly make you happy in life, whether it's family or spiritual life, whatever it is, that's the blessings in life. There's nothing wrong with first class airline tickets or going to the beach. I mean, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But we just, again, have to keep it in perspective that sometimes, yeah, the, the hashtag bless can be uh, can be seen as the humble brag. On
0: the other side of the coin, I mean, the Internet is such a wealth of resources for so many things used right, used responsibly. I think that, you know, the Internet, the fact that we can share things with so many people, whether it's our goals or our financial budgets or plans. I mean, there's so many apps now where they're incorporating, sharing aspects to their Mm -hmm. technology because studies have actually found that when you publicly share or announce your goals, you announce that you want to get out of debt, it actually does work to your advantage. And so what have you found are the best practices using the internet to help you with your financial goals?
1: Well, I think it's something if you feel comfortable, and I think everyone's at different spots, but yeah, if you do have something that you're trying to do, um, whether it is like, hey, you know, monthly budget meeting, I'm doing it, I'm gonna try this every month or getting out of debt, whatever it is, and you feel like that's part of your story that you wanna share, then absolutely, because it is great accountability. You know, if you put something out there that almost is countercultural, something like getting out of debt, people are gonna ask, and when they see you in person, they may be like, Oh my gosh, I saw you posted this, you know, what is that about? And so yeah, I think that there's a part um and everyone's gonna be different. So if that's a part of your story, absolutely share that because those eyeballs are going to be on. And that's the positive influence of the internet. Uh, and it's something that I think, you know, if, if that's what you decide to share, hey, that may motivate someone else to do something great and motivate someone else to be wise with their money where we see so many of the negative sides being that positive influence. Absolutely. If that's what you feel like you want to do 100%, I would say there is some, there's a lot of positivity in that, in that arena.
0: And take it for what it's worth, but a, a, a So many guests on this show. Tom Corley, he wrote a book called Rich Habits. I think your father, Dave Ramsey, also featured him on his radio show. Oh yes. He has found, so take this for what it's worth, that in all, people who spend less time scouring the internet are richer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Shocking. So <right? laughs> a little bit better for your pocketbook. Also probably better for your mental health. <laughs> right. Think. And, your, re- and your, relationships your relationships as well. Right? Yeah. I think that the overall health of who you are as a person probably will be amplified in good ways uh, when the internet isn't... You're not so consumed and looking down at your phone 24-7. What were some
0: of the newer things
1: that you discovered along the way in writing this book that you hadn't quite tackled before? Sure. Well, the first book was with my dad, Dave Ramsey, and it was Smart Money, Smart Kids. And so we really unpacked for parents specifically, you know, what does it look like to raise your kids to be money smart? And so my perspective was kind of as the kid, if you will, uh, and dad's was of the parent. And so for that book, I really looked back in my childhood and looked back, okay, what's, what's made me who I am today? What were things mom and dad implemented uh, that changed the course of my life that, that helped me uh, get to where I am and the knowledge that I have and able to practice that out uh, tactically. And so for this book, I really was looking at the present part of my life and to say, Hey, you know, what are things I'm dealing with? Because there was stuff that I was struggling with. You know, I'm a natural spender at heart. And I do not like doing a budget necessarily all the time. Dave Ramsey's Um, daughter is a spender
0: and doesn't like doing budgets. I know. It's a shock, right?
1: (laughs) Newsflash. yeah, I know. I know. And so, you know, I kept bumping up against these hurdles, whether it was like, Oh, I don't want to sit down and do the budget or, you know, I, I, you know, whatever it is, you know, on social media, wanting to book another vacation, whatever. And so um, as I was writing the book, I was like, Okay, if I'm struggling with these things, probably other people are too. And so as I was traveling and talking to people, you know, just things kind of kept bubbling up to the surface. And and one habit I talk about in the book cuz I go through 7 money habits for living the life you want. And I love the idea of habits because yeah. it's this idea that it becomes second nature to you. And we all have money habits, some are good, some are bad. But if we change our bad habits to good ones and our good ones we amplify even more into Better healthy habits, um, you know that that becomes really second nature and who we are when it comes to our money. And so I love that idea that it's just your muscle memory taking over at that point. Um, and so so going off that idea, there was one habit called talk about money even when it's hard. And as I was talking to other people, you know, just this topic of money to even like say out loud uh, and have discussions with whether it's with your spouse or your kids or friends or family, it uh, can be very tricky, very very awkward. And so that was a that was an interesting habit to kind of research and walk through just this whole rela- the relationship aspect of money because it's so real and it can be so damaging if, it, if it's not done well. In your personal experience, what's been really hard to talk about with your partner? Well, thankfully, Winston and I from early on, we've talked about money, and so we've kind of had that that communication has always been there, but us agreeing on where money's going wasn't there and so for months and months as we were first married, like we didn't budget together um you know we kind of just did our own thing and then suddenly we looked up and and as Dave Ramsey's kid, you know, I knew in my mind you know you have to budget together when you're married, this will eliminate so many so many money fights and money problems and so for Winston and I, we finally we were like, Winston was really the one that was like, we need to sit down and do a budget. And I was like, Oh, you're <laughs> one of those. Like you're one of those so people. Boring. Yes. Yeah. And so we did. I remember the first month was just, it was, it was horrible. I'll be honest because, you know, I went to Target, like the black hole of goodness, and walked in and who knows what I spent. (laughs) You know, I think we budgeted like $50 for food. I mean, it was just really, it was a, it was pretty much a train wreck. And so we kind of, you know, fought and bickered and figured it out. And then the next month we did it again though, because we're like, no, we're going to keep at this. And so it got a little bit better and a little bit better. And so um, thankfully that's become a habit in our marriage is doing a budget every month together. And I think that it has eliminated years and years of, of stress and worry and fights. And so, but gosh, those, those first few months, I mean, it, I remember going back to that. And as I was writing out this habit, I can remember those emotions because it's very awkward and it's, it's almost vulnerable to be like, here's what I bought. And I bought, you know, eight travel shampoos. And I don't know why, but I wanted to. And now you have to see that oh I did God. that. I'm, so like, like, I'm a sucker for travel sized anything. I know. Me too. Oh my gosh. It's just so great. Contact solution that comes with like, oh, yeah, man. three little squirts. I'm like, it's yes, so count cute. me in. Yeah, totally. So it is. And so, and, I, and that's what's going to be difficult for people that haven't um, talked about money in their marriage for a while, but it's a habit. I, I, I It's so hopeful because I want people to know, When you talk about it, it can be awkward at first, but you push through, you will find a new level of unity within your marriage, Mm -hmm. uh, unlike anything else. I mean, it's amazing when you can agree on your money and you can agree on where your money's going. You're agreeing on your goals, on your dreams, on your fears. You really are unified on this subject. And so uh, that's what's exciting to me is that I know the byproduct of what that does, even though it can be hard and awkward at first, pushing through that and pushing through those weird conversations. Oh, The flip side of that, it's amazing the unity you'll feel with your spouse. And that's
0: it. I mean, you, we, it's no secret that couples usually have differences over money. One's a saver, one's a spender. That's... I mean, studies have proven that time and time again. Opposites yes. do attract. So the, the trick is not to dwell on the, those types of differences, but rather, like you said, find that common ground, find those goals, take money out of the equation at first and just talk about why you're in the relationship to begin with, your shared values, your shared goals. And hopefully that will kind of give you the motivation and the reminder of why being good with your money is actually important. Need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 84 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget, too busy scheduling appointments, too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy, it has to be easy. And that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your website today. The result is stunning. Back to the social media discussion. Outside of the internet, we also have friend circles and we have relationships with people who also may be bad influences because they're not the best with money or they're very flashy and we're we're trying to be more conservative with our money. They're the friends who always want to go on the fancy vacations. Well, how do you reconcile that? I mean, it's not easy to say just ditch
1: your friends. Yeah, I mean, I would say just having healthy boundaries in your relationships. And I think over time, you're going to gravitate towards people who value what you value. And sure, it's going to be all different scales. And not to say you want to hang out with everyone that's just like you. That's not the point. But I think naturally, you're going to enjoy your social life more when you're around people who who value and see life pretty much the same way you do. And so if you are someone who's uber conservative, and you're a saver, and that's naturally how you are, almost could be borderline cheap for some people, you know, like that's who you are. You being BS. FFs with a girl who's like constantly spending, constantly out out there, you know, over time, you know, it may not, it it may, not that you're never going to be friends with her, but she may not be your go-to friend. Here in the next few years. And I think that that's okay. Um, so, again, healthy boundaries, not that you're going to shut everyone off that doesn't have the same money habits as you. By no means am I saying that. But I think over time, as you mature as a person, I think you start to gravitate towards people who value what you value. And those who don't, you can almost see, like, hey, you know, I don't know the story behind them. Um, you know, I had a friend, for instance, who she was a. She was a teacher, and he, you know, had a great job, and he actually lost his job, and so they were living on her salary uh, for close to a year. And twice, I had seen her in these, you know, expensive like new yoga pants, and I remember being like, "Okay, I'm good friends with her; like, I know like what those cost." And on a teacher's salary, I'm like, "I can't believe that they're spending all this money on these pants!" Like, you know, I told my husband that I was like, "That's just so irresponsible!" Like, they have a mortgage to pay and all this stuff. And so, turns out that her classroom moms had gotten together and bought her two pairs of these pants. And yeah. so there I sit on the back side. I'm like, you know what? It's none of my business necessarily how she ended up with those. And so right. I, that, that was one learning for me to be like, hey, I don't know the full story. And unless you're like best friends with them and, and you're, you are in a deep relationship and you share those kind of things, you know, that flashy friend that you may have, you don't know the flip side of it. Yeah, maybe they're going deep into debt to do these things. Or maybe they've worked really, 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 really hard. And that's where they're choosing to spend their money. So there's a point where it's like, you know what, it's not of my business. But over time, I think you are going to gravitate towards those who who value what you value.
0: Yeah, I stopped judging a long time ago just because, you're right, you don't really know the backstory unless it's someone that you're intimately friends with and you know all the stories and they come yes. to you and ask for money and meanwhile they're spending like there's no tomorrow. That is right. different. But you're right. You never know what, tr- what trade-offs they're making in their personal life. Maybe they bought that with points. Maybe they got it as a gift. So there's a lot of... Uh, we got to give them the benefit of the doubt. That's right. But you brought up debt, which is another, uh, tenant in your book that you try to give people some direction with. What's, uh, what are some new ways to navigate debt? I mean, debt is like this old story. It's this crazy four letter word. We hate it. We know it stinks. We never want to be in it, but we end up in it. So have you found any? new strategies or
1: updated ways for people to either shift their mindset around debt or just to tackle it? You know, what I found is the common sense way of approaching your money is it works. And it may not be new and flashy, but it's worked over decades and decades and decades. And it's a point where you have to say in your life and what I've done is draw a line in the sand and say, no matter what. I'm not going to go into debt. And it may sound extreme, that may sound crazy to some people, but that's how that's how I've, you know, not only was brought up, but that's how I choose to live my life today. And so the habit in the book is steer clear of debt. And so in it I do walk through tactical ways, you know, from credit cards to debit cards, all the above, but the overarching principle for me is a pretty absolute one. It's very black and white that no matter what if I don't have the money, I'm not buying it. And that does mean that I'm going to have to have patience and save up and pay for things. You know, it may take me a little bit longer, uh, but it's worth that to me to not owe someone something. um, Everything from a car car payment to to a credit card bill at the end of the month. And so it takes a lot of planning and a lot of intentionality. But man, once that becomes a habit in your life and you live like that for for days and months, weeks, years, you know, and on end, that becomes your go to solution. That yeah, it may be hard at times, but listen, it, it is what it is. If I don't have the money. I'm not going to buy it. And so for people that have found themselves in debt and it's like, oh, I just keep going back to it. I don't know why. There does have to be a point in your life where you say, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. 70% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, according to the Wall Street Journal. People are struggling. And a lot of it has to do with these payments that they can't keep up with. And so when you get to a point in your life where you say, I'm done, that's where you're going to say, I'm going to make a change and I want to do something different. And so for everyone, that that may be at different points in their story. Some people may never get there. Um, for those that I've talked to though, God, Gosh, it's it's amazing the freedom financially, emotionally, spiritually, all the above that comes when you don't owe someone something.
0: Well, you know, you were raised with certain principles growing up, obviously as a kid, uh, in the Ramsey household. What are you gonna continue to teach your child that you learn? And what are some new things? Maybe what are some things you're gonna change in, in terms of how you were brought up financially?
1: Sure. Well, I think one thing that my husband and I both definitely agree on and something that's uh near and dear to my heart is the idea of just work just good old fashioned work. And so growing up I was never given an allowance. We were always given commission. So if you work you get paid, if you don't Brilliant. work you don't get paid. I know, right? It's such a shock, such a shock. And so for me though I'm like god, what a what a gift my parents gave me. I didn't always like it at the time obviously. Uh, not every kid like loves to do the dishes and I can't wait to go out and do yard work, you know. Um that that was definitely not me, but I, I just think, you know, gosh, what a foundation and and something not to be scared of. It's just, hey, sometimes you have to get in there and you have to work hard for what you want. And so that principle of foundation, I think, works in every part of my life now, not only financially, you know, tangibly coming to work, but I look in my relationship and my marriage that it takes work. To have a good marriage, you have to be intentional. You have to work at it. Uh, being a mom now, I'm like, oh my gosh, like it's, it's going to take work. And the older she gets and now she's starting to talk, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, this really is a, a human that I'm raising in this world. It's crazy. (laughs) And so being a good mom, you know, it takes intentionality. It takes hard work. And so that principle just in every area of my life, I'm so thankful that that my parents instilled that. So that's definitely something uh, that I'll instill. But it's so funny, though. But I look back and I'm like, you know what? I When I was 14 years old, I got my first checking account and I bounced three checks the first month, the first two or three months I had my account. And I look back now, I'm like, oh, well, there's something different. Bouncing checks isn't really even a thing anymore. No one writes written checks that much. So having to navigate, you know, online baking and that kind of thing as Amelia gets older and teaching her that, that's going to be definitely a new, a new thing that I've had to kind of learn on my own because, you know, growing up, it was it was checkbooks and check registers.
0: And that pain was at the time, it was a mistake, but looking back, it was a good thing to go through. I worry about the future generation. I worry about our current generation. So much has gone paperless, which yes is super convenient and I will be the first to admit, I hate writing checks. I hate to go to the ATM and take cash out. I just want to pull out my card and swipe or now dip. Um, But (laughs) there is that psychological benefit to using cash once you see it leaving your wallet. It's like just that little reminder that money is limited and money you need to make choices with your money. How do you recreate that for the new generation? Or how do you continue to instill that value when there isn't really anything that we're there's no handholding or hand handling of money yes
1: yeah and that's what's hard and I think you you hit the nail on the head when you said that it is inconvenient to have to go to the ATM but I still do that I mean I still go to the ATM every month to get cash out because so just, just like being inconvenient is, is yeah there. I mean yeah there is a sense where it's like hey it is but but the life lessons especially you know that you learn not only within yourself but I think that your kids see is is that it's not a magic card that you swipe because you just think you know I the store when you have a credit card or even a debit card, you're swiping and then you get the purchase and you keep the card. There's no exchange happening, and so for yourself to experience that exchange and for your kids to see that, man, it, it is powerful. And so I think there will be times where it is inconvenient, um, but I would say bring them into that conversation as much as possible. And I and I talk about this especially with giving. Now, um, you know, back in the day, you know, I would watch my parents write checks when they would give uh, to something or someone, and I would see that happening. Um, um, but now it's all a lot of it's electronic. And so even our giving can be detached from from us and who we are. And so it's inconvenient to write that check, you know, once a week if you give to something. But man, that feeling of doing it, that's what changes you. And so there are some inconveniences. But overall, I think, um, you know, every now and then going to that inconvenient place because it's good for you and it's good for your kids to see.
0: I'm doing that with my son a little bit, going to the grocery store. He's only two, but he's understanding that you can't just grab something and start eating it in the store. <laughs> yeah. You need to hold on to it, wait in line. I give him a little money. I give him like 20 or whatever, and he gives it to the cashier. And he probably doesn't know what money is, but he. Un- I'm trying to – the the visual experience of exchanging – this for that, and then when he gets older, he'll realize that that's actually money that I had to work for. That we're making choices. I think that's something. You're right. You can't take that away from anybody. That those experiences that you have with your kids, and they're going to be a little bit different than when they when we were younger, but they're still memorable because they're sharing it with their parents, and there's a little lesson that goes along
1: with it. Absolutely.
0: Do you think that now as a parent, you know, your your first book, you said you wrote it from like the child's perspective, your dad wrote it from the adult's perspective on kids and money. Um, looking back at that book, what what would you include in the parent section now that you're a younger parent in a new generation?
1: Oh, wow. Um, I would, I think I would hone in more and we did a chapter on it, but I think I would integrate it even more so. Um of the emotional side of money and again, kind of going back to this contentment conversation, because uh, I think as the years go on, I think the more um, not only discontent we can become because we get a window into everyone's life um, because of social media and other things and technology is only going to grow more and more and faster and faster. I think adds character as a, a part of who we are being content and teaching your kids contentment, which starts with you know gratefulness and starts with being humble, those kind of things I think play in so deeply into our money conversation. Um, again, because I think when you're content and you learn that from a young age, and that's that's the heart condition of who you are, I think it's so much easier to build good money habits upon those. And so um, that would be one thing is looking at more of the character side of my child and how that imp- and how that uh, ties into money, and not just focus constantly on the dollars and cents which is important and they need to know that that knowledge Um, but looking at hey who you are is important because money is a magnifying glass it makes you more of who you already are and so raising good kids who become great adults is the goal and great adults in every area of their life but definitely with their money delay their gratification that's it One thing you can do but it's so
0: so key make them wait for it
1: (laughs) that's exactly right yes
0: All right. Rachel Cruz, thank you so much. The book, the new book is called Love Your Life, Not Theirs. Really great to connect with you again and hope you have a great holiday with your family. Thank you, Farnoosh. I so appreciate it. Thanks to Rachel Cruz for stopping by. The book again is called Love Your Life, Not Theirs. And if you'd like to learn more about Rachel, her website is rachelcruz.com. She's also on Twitter at Rachel Cruz. If you missed any of this, don't worry, head over to somoneypodcast.com where you can join our community. You can download the transcript from this episode as well as the audio and leave a comment. And if you've got a question for me for an upcoming Friday episode of Ask Farnoosh, very simply click on Ask askfarnoosh at the somoneypodcast.com website and that's the best way to connect with me. We'll be sure to have that in our queue for an upcoming episode. Thanks so much for tuning in and I hope your day is so money.